So what have you been watching recently? Just somebody, anybody, everybody. What have, what have you been watching recently? Downton Abbey, okay? Say what? The Mitchells versus the Machines, okay? What do you got over here? Say it again. Okay, I, 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 can't, I can't get you that far away. Finding your roots. Okay. Wow, some really wholesome entertainment. Do you know what everybody's really watching? What are they watching? They're watching a trial. Do you know what trial? The Johnny Depp trial, Amber Heard trial. That is what they're watching. They are watching that in America more, that is getting more views, and any news about that is getting more views than news about the Ukraine, the economy, the Buffalo mass shooting, or anything else combined. That's what we're watching. And I get it. I get it. I mean, we love a celebrity train wreck. I mean, we really do. I mean, what else are we watching? The Kardashians are back. Right? Like, we love a celebrity train wreck. We, we just, we love it. We eat it up. I think, this is my suspicion, right? There is so much hard going on in the world right now that we can't look at it anymore. And we'd rather watch some people who we think are sort of supercilious and ridiculous anyway and wealthy beyond our, our imaginations for most of us. We'd rather watch them fight with each other. Because it doesn't seem painful to us. Now, if you dig a little, if you scratch under the surface, man, what a sad state of affairs that this relationship has come to this, that millions of people are going to watch them squabble and fight and tell horrible stories about one another. Imagine living if the stories are real. Imagine living in that relationship. We know that there are people who live in those kinds of relationships every single day. They're not on TV. There's a lot going on that's really, really hard, and I get it. It's hard to see and it's hard to watch. And our tendency is, our tendency as human beings is to pick sides, right? That's been one of the things with this trial is, well, whose side are you on, you know? Which team are you on in terms of who's going to win or who's in the right or, or, or that sort of thing? Our tendency is to pick sides about who's right and who's wrong because, because our brains naturally go to what is formally called dualism. Right or wrong, right? Black or white in all the connotations of that. Left or right, red or blue, we love dualism. God and the devil. We love to be able to have these kinds of dichotomies that we can pick a side on. It makes it easier for our tiny little brains. Because then we don't have to really see the full picture of things. And so it can get dispiriting. At least, I'm speaking from my own experience. It can get 
really hard because you, you spend your days thinking about how might I care for the family that I've been given? How might I care for the work that I've been given? How might I care for the community that I've chosen or that I live in? How might I do that? And yet it feels like that old story of Sisyphus. You push the rock and you get, and you feel like maybe you're making some progress and then the rock rolls right back over you and you walk back down to the bottom of the mountain and you put your hands on the rock again and you begin pushing it up the hill. Why not just ignore the rock? I think that's what a lot of us have done in our world, in our country. Or we've just bought into an ideology or a way of thinking that gives us some sort of purpose, that gives us, that fuels our anger, that fuels our way of seeing the world, that doesn't help us see other people very clearly for who they really are. As we think about this particular mass shooting that happened in Buffalo, it's, it's pretty clear that this shooter saw the world in a very particular way. And what's interesting about this idea that's come out of, that's gotten a lot of talk, this replacement theory idea that has gotten a lot of talk recently is it's been around for a long, long time. Back in California when the Chinese people were being brought in to work on the railroad, they're here to take our jobs. Replacement theory. They're here to displace us. And there was legislation around the Chinese people so that that wouldn't happen. These things circulate and recirculate and those theologians of us would say it's because we're broken. It's because we are bound to sin. We are enslaved to sin. We are chained to sin. Our first thought is often not the good. It is often, what can I get for me? How does this affect me? And we all know that. We all see it. We all feel it. And what's amazing to me is when we go as people of faith to the scripture, the scriptures are always about a renewal of hope, a renewal of the vision of God for the people of God. And I would say that in Jesus, that vision gets expanded even more so to everybody. But even in the Old Testament, I'm choosing you, Abram and Sarah. I'm choosing you to be a great nation, to be what? A blessing to the nations, all the nations of the world. They weren't just chosen to be the covenant people for themselves. They were chosen to be the light shining on the hill that they might bless all of the other nations. That begins in what we call our Old Testament. In the beginning, this story is told of how the covenant people were to be a blessing to all people. And in Jesus, that 
that story gets expanded even more because what is our tendency? Our tendency is this, the covenant people, oh, that's my people. And those people over there that look different than me or act different than me or do this different thing than me, they're not part of the covenant people. They're not in the fold. That means they're bad and that means they're expendable or they're trying to take something away from me. So now imagine living in Roman times as a Jewish person or even as a new follower of the way and the persecution that's taking place there because in Rome, unlike under other regimes throughout history, you couldn't just practice some other religion. You, well, you could, but you had to bow down to the gods of the Romans. And you had to say, Caesar was Lord. Well, the followers of the way, there's only one Lord. And so they were under great persecution but their hope and their vision continued to be renewed by this vision of a new heaven and a new earth. And we often hear that story and we often hear it talked about as if it's a brand new place. What we read in the scripture though is that it's not like these, even though it'll say sometimes about these pass away and come back, it is a renewal. God redeems and renews what is here the story of the Bible, if you, if, if you start with Genesis 1 and 2 and you go to Revelation 21 and 22, you have a pamphlet. It's a, it's a gardening pamphlet. Because we start with a garden and we end in a garden. The new Jerusalem comes down. The earth is renewed. And there's no need for a temple we don't have to go anywhere particular. There's no need for a church, we would say, because God, as it says in, the, in Genesis 1, God is walking among God's people. Revelation, God makes God's home among God's people again. There's no need for a temple. There's no, there's no need for that. The light, the, the ability to be able to see each other is always with us in the Lord. The gates are never shut. In the ancient times, right, the gates would be shut at night in the darkness for fear of those who would come to take something away from you. I mean, what do we do, right? Like, we lock our doors. Did you lock, did you lock your car? Did you lock your doors? Did you make sure? Did you rattle it? You know, those of us who have a little CDO, like we go back and, you know what CDO is, right? It's OCD in the correct order, alphabetical order. Right? We go and we, we, check our, we check our thing. Yeah, I know, dad joke, sorry. I'm a dad. The gates are never shut. There's not a fear of the other anymore. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nation. Nothing unclean will enter it. Well, it says anybody who practices abomination, but in my mind, like, everything has been redeemed and renewed. So there... Those who practice abomination aren't there anymore. They've been redeemed. In Jesus, we realize that, that his redemption is for all people. 
And so we begin to see people in a different way, in a different light. And then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. This is, this is the throne of God that gives us life. Bright as crystal. Through the middle of the city, middle of the street of the city. And on either side of the river is the tree of life. Remember a garden? The tree of life was there in the garden. Genesis 1 and 2. On either side of the river, meaning there's no south side or north side people. Huh. How about that in a Richmond, Virginia? Right? The tree of the river, the, the tree of of life is on either side of the river. And guess what? It produces 12 kinds of fruit. It produces fruit in every month of the year. And the leaves of the tree. You wondered why there were some leaves out. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I noticed something about leaves this week as I was considering this passage. I, I meditate every morning and I, and I meditate and I look out a window. I don't close my eyes and I just, and there's a tree right outside my window and it, the limbs kind of come over and, and, you know, I never realized that a tree, like our bodies, the trees will lose its leaves all the time. Leaves will fall, just like the magnolia has. If you go out there, there's, that's where I got those. There's a bunch of leaves, and like my willow oak that's out in front of my house, like it's the little leaves are following all the time. Just a little bit here, a little bit there. Like just like the cells of our body, that you know, this is disgusting for most of you clean freaks, but our cells are falling off of us all the time. Like we're leaving little DNA bits of ourselves everywhere we go. So just mind your business. But the leaves of the tree... The leaves of the tree are falling and they are for the healing of the nations. And in my mind's eye, now this is, this is me taking John's vision to a different place, is that the people of the city of God pick up the leaves. And they use the leaves to heal the nations. There is an action that the people are able to take that leads to healing and so you have Jesus in the story that Katie read in the scripture. And there is the man by the Bethsaida pool, which they think they've located in the city of Jerusalem. And I've been there. And this pool, it was believed, had healing properties. And the, and the water apparently would, would bubble up at certain points. And when it bubbled up, it was thought if you could get in the water first, you had to be the first person in the water, you would be healed from whatever your ailments were. And so there was a man there who'd been ill for 38 years. He'd been sick for 38 years. He'd been seeking healing for 38 years. Been there a long time. And, he, and Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? I love this question. And the old man says, well, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. And the water's stirred up. And so other people get down there in front of me. That's not the question. Do you want to be made well? And so I wonder about us sometimes. Because I know in my own life, there have been times when 
things that I was dealing with and within my own mind were so troubling, but I was so scared to engage them. I just wanted to look away and I would do anything to look away from that reality. And I think if Jesus would have said, do you want to be made well? I don't know that I would have said yes because I would have been afraid about what that meant that I would have to do in order to confront what was sick within me. And I think that may be where we are as a people sometimes. To heal the nations, we followers of Jesus are going to have to pick up the leaves of the tree of life and through the Spirit put our minds and our hearts to work. But first, we have to see what's going on. We have to see each other and we have to see the other for what they really are, which is a beloved child of God. And in the face of great adversity, we have to be those who have been called ambassadors for Christ. We have to be those who become the repairers of the breach, as it says in Isaiah. We must become those who are willing to put our hearts and our minds and our bodies in the way to become healers of the nations. And maybe that starts... And maybe that starts right in our own homes. Maybe the relationships that we have resemble more what's going on with our celebrity friends than it does with what we would really like to have in our homes. Maybe that's where we need to start with the healing of the nations. Maybe it starts at home with us. Maybe it starts with our children. Maybe it starts with our community. Maybe it starts with our school. But we have to open our eyes to see with the light of Christ what's happening around us. And we have to be honest about what we have been looking away from. Do you want to be made well? And he never really answers. And Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. And so I invite us fellow followers of the way to choose in the spirit in our new life given in Christ to pick up the leaves of the tree because they are for the healing of the nations may we become those known as ambassadors for Christ repairers of the breach children of God let us bask in the glory of the healing tree. Amen.